Hi guys, welcome to episode 20, the third and final part of our journey trilogy. We're going to jump right back into it, talking about Another Country. Another Country is uh, the first song we wrote with um, New Big Country in mind. And, and um, I, I heard the title while the band were on stage jamming on, on the main riff of the song, which, which Bruce had written. And um, I, I could I was sitting in the other room, I was in the dressing room and heard this music. Oh, what's that? That's not one of the big country songs that I know. And uh, I, I, some between leaving the dressing room and getting to the stage, I heard the words Another Country in my head. And I started just singing them. And then we, uh, we'd we been playing Look Away uh, from the Seer album on the tour, and, and that has a sort of shuffle beat. And yeah, I said, yeah. why don't we play this with the shuffle, like the one of your classic songs, uh, and, and use that as the, the, as the rhythm template. And, and Mark seized on that, and yeah. all, all of a sudden we started playing it, and just naturally the chorus evolved, and and it became uh, it was it was almost written within seconds, yeah. wasn't it? It yeah. wrote itself. It was yeah. if we were receiving the song. Yeah, it was it was that moment of changing the tempo as well. You know, Mike feels things in the guitar. There's all these rhythm. You know, it's a whole. If you actually listen to the strumming of a guitarist. It's a complete drum kit going on. There's upstrokes, downstrokes, and you know you can hear it all going on. Mike changed it around to the six-eight groove that we were always good at with Big Country. From Look Away is what you said. Yeah, and, it, and it, I think from from my point of view, um, because I didn't have to play the guitar like Stuart, um, so I didn't. I was able to slightly step outside the music and and be almost voyeuristic about it, and and I could see it maybe slightly early because I wasn't involved in the intricacies of working out a harmony with Bruce so um, I could actually uh, orchestrate a little bit more and have a bit more time to, to let the music come into me and, and suggest lyrics and uh, and, and, and again with, with another country um, we played it instantly live which is something Big Country never ever did when Stuart was alive Big Country never ever played a new song after the crossing live before it was recorded, every song yeah, post the crossing yeah. was recorded and then played live. And I walked into a dressing room after we jammed it on the on the sound check, and Bruce said, "We're going to play it tonight." And it, it was it, that even that moment was symbolic of of this new adventure that that there was we were going to do away with the traditions and not be afraid to to show ourselves. Yeah, I, I think it was again a leap of faith when you get a new song. It's your little baby, and and you know you want to nurture it and develop it. But this time round, I remember Bruce saying, "You know, to hell with it. Let's let's throw our, idea, our ideas at the sound check. Let's just do it. You know, Confront we've got a chance, fears, yeah. isn't it? And almost. there's something quite amazing at a sound check that you know you've got a big, powerful sound on stage, and it can be it can really make you creative because you're hearing it in a real situation rather than imagining what it's going to sound like. You can throw an idea at a sound check, and it's like it's already been written because you have the weight of the PA mm. and the sound." you know sound comes back here and it's inspirational so we decided to work the songs as quickly yeah. as possible and i think you know. again when we when we played it live it was like we were giving the music to the fans straight away and they were involved they were becoming involved they were making the journey they were having how long i'm not ready for new music but it is yeah. <laughs> and it was like almost we didn't have time to think it just and it was very uh, courageous of the band to play it live because i was actually shocked that they wanted to go that far <laughs> but it, and i had to write the lyrics on and have them on pieces of paper on the yeah. monitors and we never said anything we just went on and played it we never introduced it we just played it and, I, and you could see people looking around going 
is this a B-side? Is this off, yeah. off an album? Yeah. I don't know. And, yeah. and, and it quickly spread on the internet and the fans were, were commenting on YouTube about this new song. They didn't know what it was coming from and they were trying to track it down as to what it was. And, and it led us back to um, the original big country producer, Steve Lillywhite, who produced the Crossing album because Steve heard the track in New York and, and he was straight on the phone. I want to work with a band. This is as good as anything they've done. I never, and Steve was very reticent about when we had, we'd originally yeah. been approached and he was like, oh, I don't know if, it's great that they're all together and playing, but new music, that's mm. a bit taboo. Yeah. And, and so we had to break a lot of those barriers down, firstly for ourselves, but then starting with the audience and then, and then our peers out there mm. in the world who have a fixed idea of what big country is. But what, when, when I started interacting with the band from day one, what I worked out instantly, there was nothing fixed about big country. There was nothing set in stone from day one. Everything was there to be challenged, changed, updated, and to be moved on from, from the very beginning. And, and uh, I think it was very important that we embraced that tenet straight away. And, and that certainly informed what we do as a band today. It's still in the tradition of big country, but it is still fluid, still moving. The landscape is always changing. Yeah. Okay, so now we move on to another country, probably the song all of us were least interested in hearing on this album. <laughs> Not because we didn't like it, but because we heard it so many times. And But I, I do have to say, I was very interested in hearing the approach they would take on this new version. And um, I do think that this is the best version of the song that we've heard so far. It's um, The song always struck me and, and still strikes me now, especially in relation to these other tunes on the album. It's kind of big country, just this new version of big country, just getting their feet wet, kind of sticking their toes in the water to see how things felt with Mike and with their songwriting process. And I think it's a fine song. It's a it's a likable song. It's it's a good song even. It's um, it's not one that ranks up real high for me, but it's but there's a lot to like about it. I did feel like the Steve Lillywhite produced version lacked in some ways, almost like it was done too quickly or too rushed. Uh, I know some other people have said this where they felt like Mike's vocals were kind of overpowering in the mix and some things just didn't sit quite right in the in the mix. And I felt that way, too. So on this version, we get the full the full journey version, as as we would say, because it's got there's nothing soft about this version. And the other one, there were some, I think, even acoustic guitars and Mike's acoustic playing and things were were wider and more space. But this has a very dense hard-edged sound to it and in some ways i almost think it doesn't really work for this song but yet i but yet i like it which i don't quite understand the dichotomy of those two thoughts but that's the way it is in fact why don't we do this right now let's play a little bit of steve lillywhite's version of another country and it will blend into the journey version of another country and you can kind of hear the differences between the two approaches a man stands still all around is raging and no need to speak To make yourself heard
I wouldn't have thought of this song as as benefiting from a real hard-edged approach, but yet it does. And the one thing they did here that I think maybe they thought the same thing about the previous mix is that Mike's vocals are really probably lower in the mix of this song than they are in any of the other tunes. Um, his vocals are great in it, but um, we don't get that whoa, 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 whoa thing that he did in the beginning of the other one, which yeah. I think... I think that was a good choice, actually, here. Save it for the end, like they did. Um, but the one thing that everyone was talking about when they first heard this, and, and me too, my eyes kind of got big when I was listening to this for the first time, is that keyboard part in the beginning. I thought, what is what what the hell song am I listening to? <laughs> what did you think when you first heard that? Do you remember when you first heard the keyboards to this part? That was a moment I will never forget. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, the first thought is, what were they thinking? And um, not necessarily like a bad way, but I was wondering for a long time how I really felt about that. Yeah. And and at this point, having lived with the album for a month plus, plus, uh, I can pretty much say I don't care for it. I don't mm. hate it, but it adds nothing to the song. And as far as I'm concerned, it isn't a new beginning. It delays the beginning. So I almost feel like that intro isn't part of the song. The song starts when that intro is over. So it adds nothing. They never repeat it at any other other part in the song. I mean, there's no other keyboard that even runs through the song. But ha- but having said that, I got to say that I kind of I kind of like it. I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably one of the few that likes it. For, for some reason, that keyboard sound takes me back to those early keyboard sounds that appeared on songs like Flag of Nations and those really early big country recordings. I don't know. There's something about it that connected with me to that era. And when I hear it, I'm reminded of those Chris Thomas produced big country tracks and flag of nations and kind of the little keyboard part that was in the early versions of harvest home and that kind of thing. I, I, it kind of endeared it to me, but, um, but yeah, I, I can't sit here and argue that it adds anything to the song. It certainly doesn't. It, it, it does delay the, the opening, but it's kind of an interesting layer to me. <laughs> it says something about how nostalgic we become that throwbacks to flag of nation, uh, creates uh, good <laughs> nostalgic feelings. I always loved flag of nations. I'm not going to lie. I love that song. I can sit and listen to it. It puts me in a trance. I really like it. Stop it! I guess to to sum up, I do like the song. I like what they did to it. I like the uh, hard-edged approach that that they took. Although I do think that I would like to hear a better produced version with a little bit more of that space and some of those acoustic guitars and maybe even throw in the keyboard again, because I think the song itself kind of craves that type of approach more than the full bore rock approach. But it's still, it's an interest it's an interesting thing to hear. And it was, um, it's a song I don't skip and I enjoy listening to, but low on my list. Yeah. I don't reveal much when I say it's low on my list too, but uh, again, like we mentioned before, this is the song we lived with the longest. So uh, from that perspective, it's the least interesting song as the album comes. Uh, even though I have to say, this is definitely the best version of the song we have so far. The Steve Lillivite version definitely tried too hard. I think that was the problem with that one. And right out the gate with uh, Mike coming in, whoa, 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 and uh, almost too much in your face and look how big country we are and there was this element of style over substance yeah but uh i never minded it 
because this was a song to come back with. And we talked about mission statement songs for the song, The Journey, and this is definitely another mission statement song. So it was important for them to get that out there with the Lillivite single. And uh, I'm really glad it did it. You know, it's always, there's something endearing about Big Country with Steel Lillivite. You, you can't help but feel a little nostalgic and think a little back to how it was. Right. Uh, maybe I did expect a little bit more from it, but um, I think the difference between that version and the album version that we got here is this one flows naturally. It's overall much less forced. So on the original single version, they tried too hard. That was a band trying to be a big country. Whereas this song sounds naturally like big country, apart from the intro. <laughs> but the difference between the two are, it's really noticeable. So um, yeah, you covered most of it uh, quite well, so I don't have too much to add. Apart from that, this is the longest song on the album at 4 minutes 43 seconds. <laughs> wow. Um, I guess the intro has a lot to play in that, but uh, there you go. So uh, I must admit, uh, I've lived with this song so much longer than the other songs, so it isn't uh, yet one that lights me on fire. It isn't a song I reach for, even though it, it as nice as it is to hear a, an improved version. So I rank it at 11. Yeah, that's where I have it too at eleven. And even uh, even even when I heard them do it for the first time live, I thought, well, this is nice. This this points to this is a promising song. That's kind of how I always viewed it. It, it showed so it showed a lot of promise for what they could do. And so in yeah. a in a way, I almost wish they hadn't included it on here because I, I feel like the song the songs that they do have on here have made good on that promise. Whereas this one was kind of pointing the way toward the quality that we get on all these other songs. And it's not like the the quality isn't up. It isn't good on this song, but it just, as I said, it feels like a starting point, whereas the other songs to me, for the most part, feel like more of an arrival point. So, Yeah, perhaps so. I, I appreciate having a better version, and really with 12 songs on the album, I don't mind. If it had been 10 songs on the album, this one included, maybe I would say, um, well, <laughs> maybe not so much. Well, wait till we hear what songs that they maybe demoed and and thought about putting on here and didn't, and then we can be angry and say, why would you drop that song in place of another country? Oh yeah, definitely. But uh, on another level, we are both ranking this song 11 and none of us really have a problem with it. And what does that tell us compared with other albums? Yeah. When we get towards the bottom of our list, there are songs that, you know, if we could take them or leave them, maybe we would even leave them. Yeah. Yeah, I'd definitely take another country. Shit! Hi, this is Bill in Illinois in the USA, and I'm uh, giving my review of the new Big Country CD. I think it rocks hard. Lyrically, I think it falls short of Big Country's best, but the intent is there. Mike Peters' fingerprints are clearly on the songs, but musically, it rocks hard like a hurricane. The stars of the album are obviously Mike Brzecki and the Watsons. I couldn't believe how good they sound together. Um... My favorite tracks are, unfortunately, The Glitchy Return, once I got the CD. Uh, it was exactly what I was hoping for from the disc. And uh, while Derek Forbes is great through the, route, uh, the, the album, it is on this song that I think Tony Butler would have stood out the most because there's a few good bass breaks in there. And Derek Forbes is strong on the album, but I think here is where uh, Tony Butler is missed the most overall. I think that the song itself sounds like an uncovered big country demo that has been revived by the band and it sounds just like I was hoping the whole CD would sound. Um, 
That being said, I think the ballads are more Mike Petersy and the rockers are more band y, if I can use those terms. It sounds bad, but that's how I feel. Um, I think Mike Peters filled in fine. I think lyrically he made some nods to Big Country that were necessary, but I think the songs definitely have more Mike Peters bent than a more Big Country bent in the lyrics. In the music, Big Country is back, and it's awesome. All in all, it's great to have him back. It's a great CD. My favorite song would be The Return. Too bad I had to wait after the first three or four listens for the disc to actually come to hear it. It's so sad that uh, that song is glitchy. It is the best song on the CD, in my opinion, at least if you want to hear the old Big Country with a new singer. Uh, it's great to have him back. It's a great CD. I'd give it four out of five stars. Thanks. Bye. Keep up the good work on the podcast. Hi, this is Bill in Illinois. I forgot to give you my two criticisms of the CD. The first is the background vocals seem at best an afterthought. I wish they were either not there at all or much, much louder, higher up in the mix. And the second is in the song After the Flood, where right in the middle of the song they have a bit of a breakdown. Instead of going, ha, he should have said, sha. That's it. Bye. Return is a song that is uh, you find deep into the Journey album, and uh, it was uh, sequenced. Uh, Bruce here suggested put it deep in the album, and that, personally, I thought it was one of the. It's one of the great songs. It's got all the classic hallmarks of big country stamped all through the song, and uh, I thought it should be nearly on the album. But but when I was playing the record, I realised that um, Bruce had quite cleverly put it in a similar place to where Fields of Fire comes in the crossing and uh, and to me it has that similar effect as a record it it is a celebration of of everything that that big country is all about and uh, we have had the pleasure of playing it live once and i know it's going to be a future big country classic yeah return musically it's kind of as mike said it's kind of in the same vein as fields of fire similar tempo and it's got all the the sort of classic big country lines the the, the, the twin guitar and the the, the military snare and all that kind of stuff. So it is definitely a, you know, a journey back in time, that one. Return. Like Bruce said in that clip, uh, this is probably the Fields of Fire on this album in some sense. It's got a very similar tempo. In every sense. In every sense? Well, okay. I, I, don't, I don't think so. But uh, to some degree, it's got a similar tempo, and it's got that wonderful militaristic-style drumming. Uh, but also, and I think this is the main thing for me, it's the closest the album comes to the classic Tony bass sound, more than anything. Mm. I, I really hear that on this song, uh, and love it. It, it. It's wonderful. Uh, we also, of course, have to love the classic Big Country twin guitar attack. You just gotta say yes! That, that really makes me smile. Yeah. R really wonderful. Uh, and I'm gonna leave for you to speak more about uh, the music, because I know you like that bit. Uh, <laughs> lyrically, uh, this is definitely another song about Stuart. Uh, to me, this feels more like Mike speaking to Stuart than a general band tribute, where he sings stuff like... I can hear your voice in the silence calling out. I can feel your footsteps behind me. They never die. The guy definitely feels Stuart's presence as the band 
does on this album. Uh, and I think they said in interviews that they almost approached it like Stuart was there, but just in the next room right now. And uh, that it felt like that. And this might be what Mike refers to when he thinks, you never left, you only went away. Uh, which, incidentally, is a phrase that should be well known to Alarm fans, as Mike actually has a song called I Never Left, I Only Went Away. Uh, that song can be found on the Under Attack album from 2006. So it's interesting. Mike is known to borrow from himself and reference his older works. So uh, who knows? In big country context, it's a fresh line anyway. Yeah, and, and when I say it's Fields of Fire in every sense, I was just kind of, uh, just kind of joking, but it, it's it's certainly got that feel. The the um, but where it really is and basically becomes Fields of Fire is that middle section. I don't think anyone could could suggest otherwise. Even Bruce has mentioned, yeah, it's. You know, very fields of fire, and it, it's it's got the whole uh, gu- guitar part. It's very similar to fields of fire. You've got the little bass things going on there that are similar to fields of fire. And you know what? I am not complaining one bit about that. I love it. I love that they did that. Now, if they would have done every song in this vein, then maybe someone could say, "Oh, they're really just going back and recycling the old stuff," and and. They're they're not trying to do anything new and et cetera et cetera. Clearly, they've already established the fact that they've got all kinds of new sounds happening on this album. They've they've gone into new territories musically. So the fact that they would go back and return, pardon the pun, to this old big country sound and not be ashamed of it, and as as you said in the last episode, to flaunt it. And I think that's what they're doing here. They're flaunting that sound, and I love it. Yeah. I, I love that they did that that for us, for the fans, and that they didn't think. Oh, we can't do a song like this. It's too much like the old big country. No, they they needed to do a song like this, and it reestablishes, I think, their their love for that style, and and it reaffirms the fans' love for this style of music. So, I mean, when I first heard this song, it was a live track, and probably most of you heard it that way. And from the very first time I heard it, it was in my head all day long. And that's a great sign for a song. Um, my four-year-old son, every time I play this song, he starts singing along to the chorus just spontaneously. Mm-hmm. So it's it's got a very memorable chorus, and it's just got a the, – the line that I wrote down to describe this song is joyous. It's a joyous song. And yes, it's about Stuart. There are a lot of bittersweet lines in it. Um, one of my favorites is when he says – He's talking about Stuart, assumingly, and he says, your love of the mountains, the river, the sea. Of course, he's got river again there, but I'm going to forgive him. Um, it, it's it's just a nice, sweet line. And, and uh, there's so many nice, sweet lines. You mentioned a couple already in this. And it, it just it fills my heart when I hear them. And the way Mike sings yeah. them, it's so, so true and so emotional. And I think he really captures the way a lot of us feel about Stuart. And it's it's a comforting song. I love the uh, that you referred to the bass because I think this is one of Derek's best moments on the album, bass-wise. Mm. Uh, in that second verse, especially, you can hear him doing some really cool, very Tony-esque bass type of stuff, and the bass is just really big and booming and powerful. 
it's just a it's just a really fun wonderful song and it gives you the goosebumps the old goosebumps of uh the old big country and another one of those songs that gives me a lot of hope for the future and what this this lineup can do mm-hmm. so i rank it very high this this is number four for me oh that's nice i see a lot of people really liking the song uh i like it too it's, it's not in my top half of the album but i still love it it's number eight Shut up! Hey there, all you beautiful people in big country land. This is Tom from California with just a few of my thoughts about the latest album, The Journey. I don't know how I could possibly even begin to uh, share with you the many, many thoughts and opinions I have about this album, mostly great and some critical uh, in the span of three minutes. So I'll keep things general and hopefully we can uh, continue additional discussions in depth on the Facebook companion page that goes with Tom and Swine's podcast. Um, I do want to echo the sentiments shared by many fans that my expectation of the album was at best average, and I think that came in large part from the Steve Lillywhite produced precursor single Another Country, which in that form to me seemed like uh, just a rehashing of everything they could possibly pull out of the big country playbook and create some sort of a greatest hits collection in a three minute span. And I, I was, I didn't hear any real freshness or excitement there. So I, my disappointment from that actually gave me the uh, incentive to just wait out the album, not listen to anything on YouTube, uh, no live recordings, no, no uh, studio sessions, nothing. Um, and I just waited it out and at least I treated myself to a first fresh listen, um, kind of like in the olden days, and I really uh, am glad that I did so because the album did have that uh, excitement and freshness to me that I did not expect. And uh, for the most part, I think most of the album is fantastic. I love the big country feel of it. I am okay with the new lineup. I think it works well together. Um, There are a few songs, even some that are fan favorites, that I still have some issues with that I'll get into in more detail online, hopefully. Um, One of them is Home of the Brave, which um, I love in parts, and in other parts it doesn't come together for me. I I think the song has uh, three separate sections that are not well combined or related to each other. Um, Also, After the Flood and Winter Fire, to me, have some elements of maybe not being completely finished or um, possibly uh, I'm, I'm finding them a little bit uh, too simplistic in their chord structure or melody to to uh, really capture my attention. And uh, I wish I could talk more about uh, those frustrations, but for the most part, really happy with this album and excited for the tour and looking forward to interacting with many of you uh, online in the discussion group as well. Take care. Stay alive. Winter Fire, probably the the maddest track on the album. Um, I seem to remember uh, a late night overdubbing session with Derek where I was playing a stylophone and you were playing the theremin. Yes, I was playing the theremin. Very Jimmy Page, but there you go. (laughs) B-movie. Madness. But after that, Bruce actually played a, a, a cleaning utensil that plugs into the wall. We can't say which... Which company it was, but yeah, it was a it was a vacuum cleaner. Yes, but we won't actually it. mention the name of the vacuum cleaner yeah. unless unless Dyson wants to give us one each. Yes. <laughs> Hello, 
All right, so now we get into Winter Fire, and this is another song title-wise. I've heard Winter's Fire, Winter Fires, and now it's Winter Fire, or as Beavis would say, Winter's Fire, Fire, Fire! I think Bruce, in the clip that we played, said this is one of the maddest tracks, and, and he's right. This is just such, a, such a strange and interesting song. I've got to admit, when I heard this live, there were parts of it that I really, really liked and was looking forward to, but... The one part of the song that, when I heard it live, never really quite clicked to me, and I was kind of wondering how it would sound when they finally did it, was the chorus. The chorus always – I don't want to say I didn't like it because that's a little too overstating overstating the way I felt about it. But it, the chorus often felt like it was kind of plodding to me and kind of lumbering along, and there was just something about it that wasn't quite working. Um, it's, it still has a little bit of that feeling to me, but I really do like this version um, they really improved on it. This is another really good example, I think, of them improving on some of yeah. these songs that they had played live. Um, one of the big improvements I think they made was that little opening guitar part. I think this this song really called for an opening lead track or a lead guitar part like that. Um mm-hmm. It, before it was just all chords, so that was a really good part. And yeah, yeah, it's another part that my that my son loves. By the way, he just loves this little that little guitar part. Every time I play it, he he sings along to it, and I think it's it's a great little part too. Um, but yeah, we've got the Dyson vacuum cleaner in the beginning. If you listen closely, you can hear it kind of kind of as that that strange introduction is is uh, fading into the song itself, and then you can hear it at the end. So that's that's great. It kind of goes back to what Bruce was doing with his with his solo stuff when he talked to us, how he was using things like hairspray cans to get to record those and get certain sounds. I think that's great. I love that. Is, is that, is that the first 10 seconds? The ones that sound like uh, wall of voodoo's Mexican radio. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in there. It's, it's like, um, if you listen, especially toward the end of that first few seconds, you can, you can hear that. <sighs> yeah. You know, that sound of unmistakable <laughs> sound of a vacuum cleaner. And you can hear it at the end too. It's kind of a creepy song almost, and I, I, I don't want to say any big country song is creepy, but it's got kind of a mysterious, ominous vibe. Probably ominous is a better way to put it. Um, yeah. It's it, – I really, again, don't really know what Mike's singing about, but some of the lines conjure some interesting emotions. I like the opening l- lyrics a lot. In the corridors of power, no church watches over me. That's kind of a cool line. Don't know what he's exactly what he's getting at, but again, it kind of goes back to those earlier songs where where the the wordplay is almost more important than a conscious understanding of exactly what he's talking about. I, I prefer that kind of approach. Great vocals on this too, and that that chorus. The one thing about that chorus that that is a tough vocal part. I mean, he is really stretching his limits there in the vocals, and he nails it. It's a uh, he's singing his heart out in that in that chorus, and it sounds great. There's also the the backing vocals that they added in this song, I think, are really, really good and add a lot to it. And that's during the chorus when you get, I, I think I can make out Mark Brzecki's voice in there saying, 
winter's fires burn and it's just again yeah. it's got that ominous feel to it I, I love it great backing vocals um and I, I my favorite part of the song is is the end and kind of the play out section but it, starting with mike saying the winter fires have already started to burn one by one one by one and it gives me chills when that part comes on i think that's great and the guitar part comes back in from the beginning and you get this weird like it almost sounds like a Wizard of Oz type of chanting vocal where people are going, oom-ba, oom-ba. I've never, <laughs> I've never heard anything like that in a big country song. So that's another good example of them doing something new and interesting. I, I, and it adds, again, it adds to that weird feel of this very weird song. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I'll say about the song is actually the last part of the song, which is Mark's amazing drum play out. Um, I mentioned to you before that it reminds me of the end of All Fall Together a little bit. If, if they would have ended the album this way, that would have been cool. But I think, you know, they, they did had another really good song to end the album. We'll talk about that next. But this would have been a cool way to end it as well. But uh, not at the expense necessarily of Hail and Farewell, but it would have been a cool way to end it. But I love that play out at the, play out at the end. And uh, one thing to mention to those of you who don't have the CD when you're listening to this, um, it's interesting because on the CD – that play out really uh, has a long dissolve into the beginning of Hail and Farewell. And on the if you downloaded the track, there's the songs are completely separate. So you get the full Mark Brzecki play out on the download version. But if you listen to it on a CD, that play out is interrupted by the slow fade in of Hail and Farewell and those little bagpipe parts. So that's kind of interesting. But I prefer it the download way, actually, where you get the full Mark Brzecki uh, effect. So this is, um, I guess, in closing, this is a, a really interesting tune. I like it a lot. I, I still am not totally sold on that chorus, but I don't want to give the impression that I think it's bad or don't like it. It's just like it just I'm not totally sure about it, but it's one of the most bizarre big country songs I think I've heard in a long time. And it, but it's but it's good, strange, and it's good, bizarre, and it's 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 a very creative tune. So yeah. um, th- this one ranks pretty high up there for me. I love the song as well. And I say that about all of them, but uh, th- this is really an interesting one. And uh, we have yet again an example of where a song has developed from the early versions we heard. And I have to say from the pure YouTube songs we listened to back when we did that exercise, apart from uh, Angels and Promises, which was more developed, this was probably my favorite uh, I, yeah, I, I really, that. I really was into this song. Uh, obviously, it was more a straightforward, uh, soaring, wonderful song. And the bit that is sort of kept is the chorus, where the mic sings "Winter fires burn." The way he sings it is just phenomenal. I can just see him standing on top of a mountain, arms flung out wide, head howling to the skies. It's just one of those choruses, right. and uh, I challenge anyone to deliver it like he does. Holy yeah. shit! It's really, uh, it's really something else. It is. But uh, then you look at the rest of the song, 
And there is something ominous going on here. There's something ominous about the way it's played and looking at what Mike sings. This is a song with a lot going on under the surface. And thematically, it sticks out on this album like a sore thumb. This song is probably not about Stuart. And it's not another mission statement song. No. It's, it's a very uneasy song. It is clearly the darkest song on the album. This is, along with Last Ship Sales, the two representatives of Big Country's dark side. And this one is the darkest in spades. And it's hard to know for sure what it is about. But uh, I feel a lot is revealed in the opening verse where he sings the lines you quoted, in the corridors of power, no church watches over me, and later goes on to in the houses of the holy, where the weak hold up the strong, disorder mm. is the order, and the new boss takes a bow. I sense that this is about misuse of power in a very broad sense. Those words point to both governmental and religious corruption. But the song also goes into the breakdowns of a more personal level, and I quote, one by one, the houses that are steady homes breaking up. So we have several parallel levels of misuse of power and corruption and breakdowns. And the overall theme and the question that keeps being asked is, who keeps who safe from harm? And he also thinks, who keeps who free? In other words, who can protect us from all these disasters that could happen at any point that could just be around the corner? Who can save us? And I think the song title points to the worst possible scenario, winter fires burning. And the use of winter as an allegory for difficult times or times of crisis, and particularly nuclear holocaust, has been used in Big Country before. And I think they're doing that again here. So these winter fires are just that. It's time bombs. These fires must be let out or winter will be over us on some level. And this applies to all the levels. You have the governmental misuse of power, Mm. you have religious, and you have the personal levels, which are nothing like a holocaust but it's a personal holocaust so the winter fires are time bombs the the fires must be let out or winter will be over us and there is a point in the song that really gives me chills i think it's the most chilling point on the entire album where mike sings one by one the fires start to burn and at that point the music starts getting dissonant and breaking down This passage really underpins how things are starting to go wrong and heading for disaster. And that's such a wonderful moment. You definitely get a sense of the breakdown that is going on. And the music and lyric are both part of the storytelling here. They really get together to to show disaster starting or or being so imminent you can almost sense it. So it's a very dark song. It's almost a political song. And I feel this is the song where Mike strived the most to put himself in Stuart's shoes and tap into the darker sides of his lyric writing. And he came up with something that probably isn't very natural for Mike to write. Uh, I'm extremely happy with the results, even though you could almost question whether it fits thematically on the album. It really sticks out, but it really works. And um, I I love the fact that they have these songs still. I do too. I, I think it fits, and I, I agree. I think this is, and see, th- this gets back too to my complaints early in the album, and especially when I said that I know Mike is capable of doing better than some of these lines, because this is another example where I don't have any problems with these lyrics. In fact, I love them, and 
I know that he can write stuff like this. And so when he when he allows himself to settle for for what I consider to be a little bit more cliche lines, I, I do believe it's probably a matter of just the time that he can commit to things. I don't know. But I know when he when he writes lines like this, I'm like, yes, this is what I want. Try to maintain – all we're asking is that you maintain the superior level of quality throughout every song. Like, come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. You want him to <laughs> write not, like Stuart. Right, right. And, of course, you know, we're, we're, we're rewriting history as if Stuart never never uh, stumbled a little bit in his, his lyric writing. Everyone does who, who is, has such a vast catalog of work. But, um, but I don't want to belabor that whole point. It, we should really focus on the fact that this is a great song – lyrically and i think mike as you said i mean you 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 brought up some great points there um the lyrics are very ominous and they do paint these very interesting pictures and that whole motif of who who makes who keeps who free and etc etc it does point to that whole corruption of power thing um yeah i mean I, i don't have much to add to that it's it's uh in fact now that you're talking about it and i'm thinking more about it it's another situation where i'm thinking damn it i want to put this up higher on my list now it's too low it's too yeah, low for me. it's too low for me too but i'm running out of good spots <laughs> <laughs> but it's still reached number seven uh see i have it in number eight okay shame on you i know it's a great song <laughs> it is a great song hey guys Tim Eldred here, one of the newer Facebook members. Glad to have this chance to talk to you directly and uh, throw in my two cents on the new record. So, where should I start? These guys, these guys are magicians. Somehow they managed to get everything I hate about music onto one album. I'm not calling it The Journey, I'm calling it The Gurney because it carries the corpse of big country into the morgue. Let's dust for Prince on this murder weapon. First, Mike Peters. Who is this guy? Give me a singer with some actual experience, please, not some amateur with a vocal range so narrow that you can fit it through a keyhole. And somebody tell him there's more than one octave and bring up the energy level next time because it sounds like he had a hangover on every track. Every track. Uh, Number B, the music. It's garbage. It's all over the map. Maybe next time they could check with each other first, because there's nothing holding it together. It's like they performed it separately and mailed in a file that got mixed by a chimp. Mark was just hitting one drum over and over with a baseball bat. And after all this time, I thought Bruce knew more than just the cowboy chords. Part 3. The Lyrics. What a disappointment. There's no humanity in here. Nothing I can personally relate to. Where's the power ballad? Where's the dance party tune? Where's the one about the big car and the bling and the girls? And callbacks to previous lyrics? Really? The last thing they should do is try to revive the original tone, because who wants that? And now, the verdict. After hearing this, I plan to avoid the live shows at all cost. But I'll play the album again the next time I have insomnia. And there's no way they're going to get another dime out of me for the next one. Face it, big country can only be what it used to be. With great songs like Flag of Nations and Eggplant and that disco mix of one great thing. Well, that's my two cents. Happy opposite day. Hail and Farewell is the the last song on the journey. And uh, I think it, uh, again... 
it uh, encapsulates the frame of mind we've been in as a band lyrically throughout the record. It is, uh, we are saying hello and goodbye at the same time, hail and farewell. Um, uh, the song came to us uh, late night in the studio. Uh, it just started uh, as something um, we were jamming in a way. Uh, Jamie had the Ebo out and a mandolin and was, yeah. was creating a, an atmosphere. And, and it, because it was late night and it was coming towards the end of the year, um, we just tapped into that hail and farewell theme that runs at New Year's and Big Country have a tradition of playing at Hogmanay and saying goodbye to the to the year that's gone and, and welcoming the year to come and uh, and we thought that was some something kind of symbolic of our journey and that uh, was something that we we felt uh, quite strong about and as soon as we recorded it we just knew that it was the, it was the closer for the for the album right there. I'll agree with you there, Mike. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it was just when we were playing it, it just sort of came together just as a unit. And then it's kind of strange because how we've been recording this album, it's kind of been like almost felt like a hotel. People have been coming and going because of due to everyone's commitments and just the time frame we've had to record it. So it's, it was, the way it worked out was just having people doing their wee bits here and there. And it just came together really nicely. and. Yeah, it was a great atmosphere, and and and, and we, we it was the one time that we felt we actually brought genuine bagpipes. Mm. We felt it was appropriate that you know big country had been tagged with this bagpipe guitar sound, so we actually thought let's bring some real bagpipes in. And and Derek Forbes contacted Mick McNeil, who was in Simple Minds with him as well, and Mick recorded some real bagpipes and sent them down, and we we put them into the track to create this Scottish underbelly to the whole thing. So so it, within the track, there's a lot of a lot of atmosphere in the track, and and uh, and again we debuted the song live, literally uh, just uh, at Hogmanay up in Scotland when when we played the Journey Starts Here concert in the band's hometown in Dunfermline. We we played our first gig with the 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 lineup that's made the Journey album in the place where Big Country played their very first ever gig back in 1982. So uh, again, we've been bringing uh, and making good all the links. That, that, that join the, the past to the future. We have come to the last song on the journey, and it really ends on a stellar note. If you look back at the, the journey as an album, doesn't really have any of the big country epics that I was hoping for. I know we spoke a lot about would there be epics on the album, and there really aren't any epics, but instead, with this song, we got a big country anthem, which is almost uh, the next biggest thing we could have gotten. And to, to me, this is a huge, huge song, and the title alone gives me chills. It gives a feeling of full circle, it adds a sense of finality, and they are saying hello, they're also saying goodbye. So obviously it's the end to the album, but I, I, I kind of get a even greater so sense of finality to it than that. Uh, it could be a final goodbye to Stuart, it could be a hello to the next phase of the band, it could also be a final farewell to the old big country and hello to the new big country. And this, this is where it starts getting a bit like getting emotional for me. I, I know the band has every intention of continuing, but I also get the feeling it could be seen as a final goodbye from the band to the fans, in the sense that when the time comes that the band will be no more, 
it really isn't a stretch to imagine that the words hail and farewell will be used as part of saying goodbye that last time, maybe even playing the song as part of that context. And, and that kind of, those kind of thoughts choke me up a bit, to think about that. It could also be a goodbye to someone who is departing this world, or has departed the world. It has that feel to it. But obviously there's a lot of different things going on. So first of all, the down-to-earth references, which is clearly the New Year's thing. Waiting for the bells to ring for New Year's to begin. And especially the use of lines from Old Lang Syne, which is a song we don't sing in Norway. So I actually associate that song with Big Country, because it was always sung at their New Year's gigs. So that's a wonderful association for me. I'm always thinking of Big Country when I hear Old Lang Syne. Uh, but, but this is definitely not just a, another New Year's song. There are definitely other themes there used in parallel. So I quote again, stuff like, time to say goodbye, life begins again. This could be rebirth. It could be new beginnings. But given the context of the album and the overshadowing presence of Stuart, I can't help but think that this could be a tribute to someone who is departing. And the title of the song certainly feels more like that than a New Year's song. And especially if you look at the word hail. Hail has a greater meaning than just hello. It can also be used to show tribute and respect. And especially uh, in the Scandinavian countries, way back in the day, you would say hail the king, which means more than hello king. <laughs> it's tributing and almost cheering the king. So you could use that word and tribute someone as part of that farewell. So what I take away from the title hail and farewell is definitely the sense of honoring someone who is leaving, which is much more than a new hello goodbye. Uh, Mike also sings, wherever you may roam, that's where I'll be, which could mean I'll never stop thinking of you, you'll always stay with me in spirit, which again underpins the finality of saying goodbye to someone who's departing. So given that, and especially the delivery of the song, both vocally and musically, it's just one of those songs that really touches me very, very deeply. So um, it's a, it's it's a it's very clever in a way of Mike. He uses the themes in parallel. He uses the theme of New Year, where the year is over and a new one begins, and there are themes of rebirth and there are themes of uh, wherever you go, I'll carry you with me, and these in parallel seem to point a certain way. So uh, I think that's incredibly smart uh, to talk about the musical aspects a bit too. Time to celebrate the debut of Bagpipes on a big country album. It almost seems strange that this is the first one with bagpipes. Uh, I can well, sort imagine. of celebrate. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> they, they could have been powerful, right? They could have been more powerful. But uh, even so, it's kind of strange. Uh, I don't know if I was the only one who had, had to ask myself, is this really the first time? I'm sure you had the same uh, sort of thing that uh, I kind of have the feeling they've been there or they should have been there. But it's about time anyway. Um, and a lot of people say this is done as a tongue-in-cheek sort of pointing to the critics. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think they would ever have considered it if they didn't think it was natural for the song. And that's it. It feels very, very natural. But I would have liked them to go a bit more over the top on the end, but that's fine. And uh, I don't know who uh, who is the main responsible person for for this song and who brought it in. You know, it's... It's a group collaboration, like all the other songs, but uh, I'm just thinking this is exactly the kind of album closer that Mike has on many of his albums. So, well, it's, it sounds like Mike all the way to me. I know I know they're all credited for it, but this sounds like a Mike song, at least at its roots. Yeah, it, 
I, I wouldn't. Miss- Sounds like nothing that Big Country would have done in the past. Yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of song for sure. Uh, I think in the interview clip that we played to begin with, I think Jamie was credited with coming up with some parts that the others latched onto and created a song. But um, that doesn't need to mean much. You know, someone could take those parts away and craft the song. That could very well be Mike. I hear a lot of Mike because this is a very typical song for him. He he has a tradition of closing his albums with a song just like this, an emotional, slow song. Uh, somewhat epic, evocative, and emotional album closer. That's very typical for him. On the album Feel Free, he has something like The Broken Silence, which is a song that gives me chills every time I hear it. And on Poppy Feels, the first Bond CD, there's Swan Song, another one just in this vein, and on the second one, The Unexplained. And it, the list just goes on. So um, uh, the interesting thing about songwriting, this is one of the three songs on this album that was written after Tony left. There's no Tony credit. There is a Derek credit. So it's also one of the newer songs on the album. Yeah, th- this song always struck me as Mike all the way from a musical standpoint. Th- this is something that I never would have expected to hear from a big country approach. Like from certainly from certainly there are pieces of these other other songs for the most part, except for Hurt actually, which ironically I also thought was always Mike, and it turned out at least the chorus was, but. I kind of got the impression with this, too. I mean, Big Country never really would have written what I've seen referred to as almost like a Hey Jude type of song. And that's kind of what this is, although they stop a little bit short of getting to that long, drawn out Hey Jude thing of that song. But so when when I first heard this song live, I, I was I wasn't sure how to take it at first because it really did strike me as being very, very different from Big Country. But I liked it. It's, it's impossible not to like it. It's it's a very likable structure, likable um, chord progression, and it's really the same thing the whole way through, but it's got that kind of U2 approach where they play the same chords the whole way through, but it slowly builds and it more is layered on and the emotion is ramped up as the song goes. And um, again, that, that's not a big country thing, and yet – I. I'm sure that they all added their parts to it, but I really believe that Mike probably came in with the the genesis of this song, or at least the the bones of this song, and they kind of built around it. Um, yeah, the bagpipe thing, I, you would not have convinced me that those were real bagpipes if, if I hadn't heard it from the mouths of the band themselves. I mean, somebody said that on the Facebook page, and I was quick to say, no, I don't think those are bagpipes. They sounds like keyboards to me, like with a bagpipe setting, because... I've never heard bagpipes sound so muted like that and far off in the – not only in the mix, but they just don't sound – they don't have that power that I associate with bagpipes. So I'm interested yeah. in, I'm interested in exactly what the guy played and if they were like traditional bagpipes or some, some other alteration of the instrument. But that being said, yeah, it's, it's great that they are here. In fact, when I, when I thought that they were keyboards – I was almost ready to make some kind of post about wouldn't it have been great if they had had actual bagpipes <laughs> in the song? And, it's and, kind of uh, it's kind of like the same discussion of the drums of Restless Native all over again. Yeah, it is. It very much is. I'm going to stop assuming these things. I seem to be wrong about most of them. But uh, man, I would have bet anything that these were not real bagpipes, and and they are. Mm. Um, my only my only issue with this song, and I think it's a it's a really beautiful song. Um, it's a great way to close the album. It's a perfect way to close the album. Good lyrics. Really like the associations with uh, with New Year's. 
one thing that he did live that I really liked and wished he would have carried over onto the album version is he he counts to ten, and I noticed that he's still doing that in the live versions of this song. It's interesting because it's not a countdown like you would expect from a New Year's counting down the New Year from 10 to 1, but he actually counts 1, 2, 3, 4, up to 10. Don't know don't know exactly if if that he's trying to turn that whole tradition on its ear type of thing. I don't know, but I really like that when he did it live, and I, I was a little disappointed that that wasn't in this final version because I thought it was kind of a an emotional point of the song. Um. But really, the only, the only other thing that I, the only criticism I've got of the song is I, I just feel like there's something missing to this to the tune, I, and what that could be, I'm not exactly sure. But it builds to this crescendo, but the crescendo never quite comes the way that I want it to come. It 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 almost gets there, but it doesn't quite make it. And I think maybe a maybe a better lead guitar part or some kind of bigger in the mix or really what i would prefer personally is what you alluded to earlier is like a literal (laughs) gigantic in your face bagpipe part i think that would have been awesome if they would have keep it the keep it the way it is at the beginning but at the end bring in the bagpipes full force and playing the same melody they played in the beginning and then you've and then you've got the uh, the distorted guitars playing in the background. You've got the bagpipes playing right in your face. Right. That that to me would have been absolute perfection. I just feel like that would have been a great big fu to everyone who ever insulted them for for the bagpipes, and it would have been just a wonderful way to end the album. The more I talk about it and think about it, the the more upset I get that they didn't do that. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can't uh, I can't say much. That, I mean, that's the only criticism of the song that i have it, it's it's a really lovely song it's, it's yeah. a great, great way to end the album and even though it's not it doesn't have much in the way of big country to me in the sound with the exception of the ebo flourishes and all those things um actually it's, it's more like the structure of the song that doesn't have a lot of big country the sound certainly does but um it, it works for me it works and i i've i've accepted it as a as a big country song in this new version so it 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 accomplished what it set out to accomplish. I just think it could have been a stronger, even stronger force if they would have wanted to take it to yeah. that, that level. And and even though I uh, think the ending is complete and there is a huge crescendo, I totally agree it could have been even stronger with more bagpipes and stronger bagpipes. Yeah, so uh, so that would have been good to see, definitely. I mean, it just kind of it, it almost strikes me a little bit as like the Angels and Promises. It's not it's not that abrupt, but. It, it, it does, and it doesn't fade out. It sort of ends, but it's just like they're really, just really getting into the the big, <laughs> the big hey Jude part, you know. But it's, but they stop. They suddenly stop. It's almost like, nah, let's not do that. Let's just stop. But 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 it does go on for over a minute. Yeah, so it's it does. not like it's abrupt. It it just yeah. I just feel, I just feel like once they get into that and the whistling part, which I actually really like, 
Um, again, that's something you would never expect it in a big country oh, song. That one I had to get used to, but I like it now. <laughs> I like it. I mean, we, we had Stuart Whistle at the beginning of Pink Marshmallow Moon for a minute, but uh, not like this where it's got like right. It's like people marching and whistling a happy tune. But uh, it, it's something about that worked for me. But it, mm. it's, it's almost Beatlesque a lot of this song. And, of course, we've already talked about Hey Jude, but it, it does have a Beatlesque type of flavor to it. Um, a little bit, which is is what removes it from being a lot like big country to me, but but yet it's it is big country. I accept it uh, as as a as a new big country song, and I, I do like it a lot. But um, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little lower on my list than maybe it would have been if they, if they would have kind of done some of those things to the end. I would have been happier. But it's, as it stands, I, I I do like it a lot. It's a great way to end the album. It really is. I would say it's a perfect way to end the album. And uh, from my glowing speech, and uh, if you've done the math, you would know that this is my number one. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. This is is number nine for me. Yeah, this is the one we disagree the most on. Yeah, definitely. But it's still pretty high up. It's not surprising because, I mean, like I say, you've already said that it's uh, something Mike has done many times on his albums. and. It it does strike me as more of a Mike song, and I know you are a more more of a Mike fan. So yeah, it makes sense to me. So I have the total rankings, how we feel about the journey, and like we both have said, this ranking is already wrong. So <laughs> it probably doesn't make much sense to go through it, but I'll do it quickly anyway. From the bottom and up, we have hurt. It's the first song we both agree on. It's the last one on an album, uh, and followed by another country. The Giorni, Winter Fire, which I would have ranked higher now, Strong, Return, Home of the Brave, Last Ship Sails, and Hail and Farewell. And then we get into the top three, Angels and Promises, After the Flood, and on top in the Broken Promised Land. So I can live with that. I can definitely live with that, the number one especially, yeah. Mm. Good. Great. Well, one thing we didn't talk about much in general terms, is the fact that this album is split up into three acts. Uh, if you look, yeah. if you look on the back, you've got "In a Broken Promised Land" through "Hurt" is Act One, Act Two is "Home of the Brave" through "Last Ship Sails," and Act Three is "Another Country" through "Hail and Farewell." I've since learned that this was Bruce's idea to do this. I would have assumed it was Mike's idea, but it was actually Bruce's idea to split it up into acts. And I can't really make out any specific theme to each act, but uh, it'd be no. a good question to ask Bruce, just why they were split up that way and what he thought about adding them that way. I mean, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? I have looked for the same themes, and I really couldn't uh, I couldn't see any. It would have made sense to have one theme about like the mission statement song, another one be about Stuart, and another one be about you know Remainder, if you will. But no, it's really a mishmash. Well, I mean, it makes sense from a musical perspective because, I mean, uh, Act 1 ends with the ballad, Hurt, and then you come back in Act 2 with something that's 100% different, which is Home of the Brave and couldn't be more hard-rocking. So that makes sense that a, the, the one act would end with a ballad and the next act would begin with the, the direct opposite. And then Act 2 does the opposite of Act 1. It ends with a very, very hard-edged song in Last Ship Sails, comes back with a pretty different approach with the keyboard 
opening of another country and then ends with hail and farewell. So I can see it from a musical perspective, how it how it varies. But uh, from a thematic perspective, as far as the moods of or the lyrics of the songs and what they represent, yeah, I'm not sure. Of course, it's hard to, to judge any of that without any lyrics to, to reference. I really don't have much to say about those. I'm I'm curious, like everybody else, that I see no rhyme nor reason to it. I, I I think the way one act ends and the other one begins is random, to be honest. It doesn't feel like anything really thought out to me. All right, so that's the journey, and uh, I think we can obviously assume that this is one of those <laughs> one of those albums that we agree far more than we disagree. Um, I think uh, we're both just probably very surprised by how this came out. I know I am. I, we've already talked about it in the beginning, so there's no reason to go through all yeah. that again. But just in general terms, it's a great return to form, I think, for big country. Really, maybe return to form is the wrong way to put it because this is a totally different form. But they really recaptured the spirit, I think, of the, of the early days of, of the band. For me, they did. Yeah, and not, Bruce not, has said the same thing. He said this is the best, uh, or he said they lost their way after the seer. So he goes all the way back then and almost says this picks up after the seer. So that surprised me a bit that he would go that far back and say everything after that maybe we lost our way. That's five albums, or is it yeah. five? Yeah, it's, that's five albums that he sort of said we lost our way on those five albums, and now we're yeah. now we're picking up again. I was glad he said it in a way because it just made me feel. Like I was vindicated for feeling that way all those years. I mean, I felt that way, but at the same time, there's there's a ton of stuff to love on all those albums, and I, I love I love all those albums really. I mean, some more than others, but they're still big country to me, and I still still love aspects of them, and I love looking back and playing them and everything else. But mm-hmm. yeah, I it it was nice to see the band, someone associated with the band, actually admit that. Maybe we did lose our way somewhat because, I mean, if they would have come out with an album like this after the Seer that was more hard edged and who knows what would have happened instead of them being kind of roped into, pulled into these different record company ideas for what they should be. But I guess when you're I guess when you're successful, that's what happens. And it's not like the band is coming off any kind of giant success right now. They're just trying trying to reestablish themselves. So. We'll see. We'll see how this album does. I don't know how well it's selling. I don't know. I know it. It debuted at uh, 36, I think, on the UK charts. Something like that. 36 or 37, which was considered a, a very good debut, top 40. It fell off of that top 40 uh, within the next week, I think. But um, you know, I, I'd like to know. I'd be interested in to know how well it's selling, how well it's doing, how well the shows are going, and the attendance. I've heard. We've heard some shows are sold out and packed. Some Maybe not as much. Um, I think they're playing a little bit smaller places maybe than the last couple tours, but who knows? It'll be interesting to see what's happening. I mean, it's it's all just really starting for them with this album, and I think they're all really committed to taking it as far as they can go and touring it. And I mean, good grief, they're coming to America for the first time, and I don't even know how long it's been. They played here once in '99, but that was just a fluke. So really, they haven't toured over here since probably the seer tour so that's amazing that they're fun no actually of course the buffalo skinners tour what am i thinking but um still long time uh so how would you rank this album against past albums 
It's just too early. Um, for me, it is. I, I've seen people say that it stands right up there with the Crossing or with Steel Town or et cetera, et cetera. I, I can't personally do that. No, um, me neither. Now, now, quality-wise, I will say that I do think it stands up with those albums. It, it's there's a quality to the way these albums were. This album was constructed and recorded and and written that that I think stands right up there with the quality that was used on really all of Big Country's albums. I mean, songwriting-wise, we might differ on some of the things that they did, but um, they always had a quality that they stuck to and they adhered to, and that quality is there here. I mean, it's there's so much going on on this album. There's so many layers to it. Uh, musically, it's, it's very well thought out. It's very well produced. It's very well arranged. So quality-wise, to me, it stands up with anything the band has done. Now, if you want to talk about the emotional impact of the songs and how great the songs are, I mean, I think they're they are great. Many of them are great, uh, but I'm not I'm not personally ready yet to say this is number four in all of my big country albums. I I'm not ready to, to quite say that. It, to me, it's it's a new big country, and I'm judging them as that. So I'm I'm not really stacking this up against the past. Um, uh, this, do you even point. have a definite ranking of all the other ones? Uh, fairly, fairly definite. It might, it might fluctuate slightly, a little bit, but yeah, I, I have a pretty, pretty solid ranking. Uh, at least the first four, I mean, are are solid. Mm. So it's pretty solid. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm confident in the way I feel about those, but and that's the thing. I mean, this this album, it's it's inspired a lot of interesting emotions through the fan base and rightly rightly so understandably so some people are seem angry by it i don't know why exactly but uh just don't really don't want to even give it a chance others have really been dubious about it and have been won over by it and they've been willing to give it a shot and say that this album has really convinced them that there is something to this lineup and they do have something to offer so Mm. i don't i don't think they should bother trying to Try. I don't, I'm sure the band doesn't, but I I don't think it's um for me it's not worthwhile to try to stack it up against the old catalog yet. I I, I want to see what else this band does and how, where they go from here. But uh, I think they certainly. I think at the very least they've proven that they are they are a force to be reckoned with. So. Yeah, definitely. I think that was the important point right now to come back with something and show that they mean business, and that's exactly what they're doing. But uh, I can't quite rank it either. It's much too early. Ask me again a year from now or 10 years from now, maybe. <laughs> I'm I'm far too scientific about it myself and far too analytic. So I'm not one of those who can rank something high out of sheer enthusiasm. And I've seen those discussions where people rank it in their top three or top two even. I think that's fantastic. I love that enthusiasm, and I love how people can embrace the album so quickly and wholeheartedly like that, almost without reservation. Uh, but that's not really like me to get carried away with something like that and immediately start putting it on that level. It needs to prove itself over time, and we really haven't had that time. So um, uh, I'm just saying let's not overdo it here. I really love it, but... Uh, we're talking about some ultimate classics and some incredible levels of nostalgia, right? So the old albums proved themselves over a long time, stood the test of time. They're proven giants. And this album 
has not had a chance to show anything like that yet. So all in due course, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely say this. I know I'm going to be listening to this album uh, for as long as I listen to music. It's it's not something that I'm gonna. Mm. It's not something I'm gonna tire of listening to, uh, in the grand scheme of things. So, to me, that's a huge success. Uh, it's it's uh it's it's going to be an album that I turn to often. I'm sure, just like every other big country album, and, and just like those early big country albums. So. Yeah. I don't see yeah. how they could have. Uh, we've we've got our criticisms of the album. We've got things we wish they could have done maybe a little differently. But at the end of the day, I don't think there are many of us out there who, um, judging from the reactions I've seen, who really could have accurately and realistically hoped that the album would be as good to us as it as it has been. No, so, definitely not. Definitely. Um, I felt relief when I heard it. I hoped it would be as good as this, but I didn't dare hope for it. And they definitely surpassed something. But um, this is still early days. And I mean, we, yes, we nitpick and we have things we wish for and would have done differently. But that's in the context of sitting here and dissecting it like the two of us do. And some people probably find what we're doing madness. Like, how can these guys sit then with a magnifying glass and pour over stuff? But um, we're already doing it and we're... I don't think we've been as positive as this overall between the two of us uh, like this before. And even though it's early days for the album, we, we are really quite enthusiastic. And this will be interesting to revisit a bit down the road. Yeah, it will be. And I, I'm I'm confident, though, that my opinions are, aren't going to change that much. I mean, uh, some of my song rankings will change, I'm sure. But uh, I, I'm confident that I'm, I'm always going to consider this to be a really great album period and it's a great big country album and and i'm someone who was was ready to not think that so i'm not i'm not someone who was just going to say it's got big country's name on it i'm going to immediately like it i was right. I, I was willing to not like it if i legitimately did not like it and say so so you've got people who think that there are people who just are going to like it no matter what well maybe there are but i wasn't one of those people and if, if i didn't like it I was probably more ready to not like it, to be honest with you, because there were so many things that I was still wondering about. But the fact that they won me over as strongly as they have, um, I mean, I can only speak for my own expectations and it's and what that means based on the expectations I had. But to me, that says an awful lot about the quality of what they've produced here, because I'm a yeah. I'm a I'm a pretty I'm a pretty tough audience even for the bands that I love as much as big country as, as you know, people have probably seen just by things that will nitpick, et cetera. So they, they won me over and that's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm ecstatic about it. I think I can say I was ready to think it was an okay album. <laughs> so I was more ready to say, yeah, this is okay because based on the people involved, I knew it would hold a certain quality. Uh, the question was, would it be exceptional? I would call it an exceptional album on a lot of levels. It's it's a success for the band just surviving and coming back and maintaining a band feeling and maintaining a musical heritage and coming back with fresh songs and a foot in the past, foot in the future. It really just works. It really just clicks. Okay, that's it. Episode 20. Part three of our trilogy discussing the journey. I think we hit just about every aspect of the album that we could possibly hit. And we will be back with episode 21 sometime in the near future. 
Check us out on the Facebook page. Just search for The Great Divide Podcast. You can also email us at bigcountrypodcast at gmail.com. Please do that. You can also listen to some of my original music if you want to do that. You can find that at ReverbNation.com slash Thomas Kerchival. ReverbNation.com slash Thomas Kerchival. And thank you guys so much for all the SpeakPipe messages. They were fantastic. They really made this trilogy really special, I think, and a lot of fun for us to listen to as well, and, and that's great. It's nice to sit back and be kind of the, the podcast listener sometimes and hear what you guys are saying. So thank you for that. It really helps to have you guys be such a, such a part of the show through the SpeakPipe page, and there'll be more opportunities for that in the future. And finally, I just want to mention a charity event that you guys might want to consider participating in or donating to. It's for the Love Hope Strength Foundation. And Love Hope Strength is an organization that Mike Peters is a huge part of, as you probably already know. And what they do is they try to get people to sign up for the bone marrow registry. And what that is is that people who are in need of a bone marrow transplant, using this registry, they can hopefully find people who are a match for them, and that person can donate bone marrow to potentially save a life. So it's a great it's a great charity. But this event that's happening is happening in America. It's happening in Colorado at a place called Vail, Colorado. It's happening on June 15th. And it's happening right after, uh, I think, the day after Big Country performs in Denver. Basically, Mike is looking for people who want to come and be a part of this. Or, if you can't do that, to donate to it, to donate funds. It's a great way to raise money for this charity. And somebody emailed me, who is a regular on the Big Country Forum, the main Big Country Forum, who listens to the show. And they wanted to let me know that they have started their own tribute page or their own fan tribute page. They're going to be taking part in this climb up uh, up this mountain. And people who do that are encouraged to start their own page where they can uh, collect donations for the same cause, for Love, Hope, Strength. So this person has done that. And if you're a big country fan who wants to donate to this cause, this is a great place to do it. The group that he has created is called Big Country Fans. And you can find his, his page at the following link. So bear with me for a minute. It's kind of a long link. But it's Vale Rocks, V-A-I-L-R-O-C-K-S, dot Love, Hope, Strength, all one word, dot org, slash 2013, slash Big Country. So Vale Rocks, dot Love, Hope, Strength, dot org, slash 2013, slash Big Country. So go to that page and consider donating. So that's it. Thanks so much for listening. On behalf of myself, Tom, Svine, and John, we really appreciate it. And want to give a special shout-out also to Jack Hudson. Jack, hope you're doing well. And all you American fans, the drought is about to end. Big Country is coming soon, and I, for one, can't wait to see him. So take care, you guys. See you soon. Bravo! I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away! Hey, boo! Boo!